Mindset is a learned skill. Hey everyone, Matt Smith here, Matt Smith Real Estate Group, all or nothing in real estate. I was going through some old content and found some great trainings that I'd done in the past that I wanted to share with you. So stay tuned, there's gonna be some great content and it will reference some other things because we did do it in the past, but it's such great content. I wanted to share it with you all to make sure you had it. So stay tuned and enjoy the episode. Guys, this is a mastermind that we are doing, um, I wanna say weekly, but I feel like a, a fraud because we did miss a week, right? Um, but the the intention is for us to do this every week and it's to add value to the marketplace it's to help people through problems that they're having it's to really just have that contribution mindset and realize that collaboration is way better than competition um, and the more we can collaborate the better our clients get served the more that we all win together um, i truly believe a rising tide rises all shit, ships and i'm so so uh privileged to be and honored to be in business with todd and gina um, and also Leah and, and other people that are joining this call that it's just my way to give back. It's my way to contribute and, um, and to share. And I know Todd and Gina feel the same way. Um, we, we masterminded this in, in Cabo when we were in beautiful Cabo at the beach, um, watching the whales swim um, and just came up with uh, this idea of how we can just keep contributing and giving back and, and grow our network and grow our community of like-minded people that are just doing amazing things. So without further ado, um, I love this being as interactive as possible. So if you're attending, we want your chats. We want your questions. We want to help you with what's relevant in your business, what questions you're having. Um, so I promise you're not interrupting. We would love to know your questions so that we can better um, help you solve them or um, insights that you may have as we go. Um, today, we're going to talk about a few things. Let me find my cheat sheet here. We're going to dive into... Um, we're going to talk about success. I think we all, if you're on this, if you're watching this, you want to be successful. I think that's a common theme of people that are learning to educate is um, whatever success means to them. It's something that is important. They want more of something in their life, whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's freedom, whether it's better relationships, um, whatever success means to you. Um, we're going to break down some principles that I think are very important for people to achieve that success for them. Um, one of those is mindset. I say all the time, everything in life starts with mindset. Like, and so I think Todd is going to probably break some of that down for us today. Um, and then I'm also going to dive into um, talking about how, and I'd love to hear in the chats if this is relevant to your situation, Todd and Gina, you as well. Um, I, I would think I want to speak to the audience. And I was recently in Calgary um, and at beautiful Lake Louise, the most beautiful place I've seen on the planet, by the way, bar none. It like pictures don't do it justice. If you ever get a chance to go to Lake Louise in Canada, go. Like, don't walk, run. Like, get there immediately. It is absolutely breathtaking. Like, Cabo was gorgeous. Watching the whales was gorgeous. It paled in comparison to Lake Louise. It it was absolutely insane. Um, so anyway, while I was there, I was there for a mastermind um, among my sightseeing, right? And um, there was, um, I had the privilege of sharing the stage. And one of the things I talked about that really resonated with the audience is right now they are struggling getting listings. Getting listings, low inventory is tough. And so I broke down our process of how our team doubled our listing appointments met month over month and how we became number one in all of CSU, which is this big real estate conglomerate of operation software that a lot of big teams, a lot of high producing agents use. Um, out of 45,000 agents, we were number one in the whole platform last month and listing appointments met. So I broke that down into four proven steps. And so towards the end, I will kind of break that down. Um, and our special guest just arrived. Um, he's hiding from camera, so he's going to move over here. Um, but uh, so we also have um, Sean MacArthur from our, from my team. Um, he uh, he did a webinar with me recently. He's one of our squad leaders. He's um, just recently got out of the military. He's a, a real estate agent that is actively producing. How many How many have you closed so far this year? 23 this year, nine pending. He's got 23 closed and nine pending currently. And so he's going to give you some real tactical stuff on today's marketplace of maybe some things that he can give you some tips and tricks to work through. So um, Todd, if without further ado, go ahead and kick us off, my friend. All right. So this is going to be kind of like a two-part thing because um, Gina can't talk. I'm going to read what she had, what she was going to read. And she's also going to screen share, I think, a video to watch while I read this. Um, and hopefully this has some connect. People can, can make the connection here to mindset. Um, if you've not heard of Team Hoyt, we heard about this in church on Sunday. Watch the video. 
Um, if maybe get some tissues ready, that's probably why Gina's really not reading this because she didn't want to be emotional on camera. Um, but I'm going to read this and she'll start the video. Hopefully we'll finish it about the same time. I'm probably going to read faster than that. Uh, but I got to put my eyeglasses on here. So Gina, start the video and then uh, we'll see what happens here. So Team Hoyt refers to Father Dick Hoyt and his son Rick Hoyt. They're from Holland, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. That's a hard word to say. Um, the Hoyts competed together in various athletic endeavors, including marathons, notably over 30 editions of the Boston Marathon and Ironman triathlons. Rick had cerebral palsy. During the competition, Dick pulled Rick in a special boat as they would swim, carried him in a special seat in the front of a bicycle, and pushed him in a special wheelchair as they ran. Team Hoyt were inducted into the Ironman Hall of Fame and were recipients of ESPN's Jimmy V Award. Rick Hoyt was diagnosed with cerebral palsy at birth after his umbilical cord became twisted around his neck, which caused the blockage of oxygen flow. As a result, his brain could not properly control his muscles. Many doctors encouraged the Hoyts he institutionalized Rick, informing them that he would be nothing more than a vegetable. His parents, lost my place. His parents held on to the fact that Rick's eyes would follow them around the room, giving them hope that he would somehow be able to communicate someday. The Hoyts took Rick every week to Children's Hospital in Boston, where they met a doctor who encouraged the Hoyts to treat Rick like any other child. Rick's mother, Judy, spent hours each day teaching Rick the alphabet with sandpaper letters and posting signs on every object in the house. In a short amount of time, Rick learned the alphabet. At age 11, after some persistence from his parents, Rick was fitted with a computer that enabled him to communicate, and it became clear that Rick was intelligent. With his communication device, Rick was able Rick was also able to attend public schools for the first time. Rick went on to graduate from Boston University in 1993 with a degree in special education. He later worked at Boston College in a computer lab, helping to develop systems to aid in communication and other tasks for people with disabilities. Team Hoyt began in 1977 when Rick asked his father if they could run in a race together to benefit a lacrosse player at his school who had become paralyzed. He wanted to prove that life went on no matter your disability. Rick Hoyt, a retired Lieutenant Colonel in the Air Force, in the Air National Guard, was not a runner and was 36 years old and apparently very out of shape. <laughs> After their first race, Rick said, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. After their initial five mile run, Dick began running every day with a bag of cement in the wheelchair because Rick was at school and studying, unable to train with him. Dick was able to improve his fitness so much that even with pushing his son, he was able to obtain a personal record of a 5K run in 17 minutes. I'm not sure I could run a mile in 17 minutes, much less five. Through March 2016, the Hoyts had competed in 1,130 endurance events, including 72 marathons and six Ironman triathlons. They ran the Boston Marathon 32 times between 1980 and 2014. Also adding to their list of achievements, Dick and Rick biked and ran across the U.S. in 1992, completing a full 3,735 miles in 45 days. They also competed in triathlons. For the swim portion of the triathlon, Dick used a rope attached to his body to pull Rick across in a boat. For the cycle portion, Rick rode on the front of a specially designed tandem bike for the run portion. Dick pushed Rick in a wheelchair. In 2013, Boston Marathon, Team Hoyt had about a mile to go when two bombs exploded near the finish line. They were stopped by officials along with thousands of other runners still running the race. Not injured, but they were not allowed to finish the race. On April 2014, April 21st, 2014, Dick and Rick Hoyt completed the 2014 Boston Marathon having previously announced it would be their last together. And then um, Rick ran with someone else after Dick retired, and then they 
they have passed away. I think that's, I know Gina can't talk or she won't talk, but that just kind of shows mindset. You know, um, that was not um, part of Dick's plan for his life, that he had the mindset that he wanted to show that to his son. His son said he didn't feel handicapped during that process. So it didn't really matter what Dick had to do. That was important to him. So he went through with that um, just to make that, I guess, you know, How I put this? I don't know. It, it just it was part of his mindset. Hopefully that mindset thing comes through. I think. Hopefully, anyway. Yeah, um, I think that's a great story. Um, anybody got any comments on that? If you haven't seen that, you can Google. You know, you can Google the whole story. It's on there. The whole, you know, Team Hoyt. Um, and uh, so that's that's the first story to do with mindset. And I have a totally different story. Um, I want you guys to put in the chat if you've heard. You've heard of Kenny Rogers and heard the song, um, The Greatest. You ever heard that? That old song from probably the 70s or 80s? So I'm going to kind of, I'm not going to sing because nobody would want that. That would be, that would be disastrous. Um, so hopefully, hopefully I don't find myself trying to sing as it goes along because I've kind of, kind of changed the story just a little bit. Um, but I'm going to kind of talk about the story and talk about mindset and then I'll go back and kind of fill in how that might pertain to a, uh, a, phone, a phone session or a prospecting session. Um, so the greatest goes, there's a the little boy. Um, he has his baseball bat, his glove, his hat, and ball. And he heads out to the baseball field to practice all by himself. He's standing at home plate. And as he's standing at home plate, um, he says, I am the greatest player of them all. He tosses the ball up. The ball comes down. He swings the bat. And he misses. That's strike one. You know, the little boy, undeterred, completely, nothing phases him, picks up the ball, he tries again, tosses the ball up, ball comes down, flings and misses again, strike two. So now little boy, making no excuses whatsoever, closes his eyes, and he envisions himself hitting the ball. He adjusts his hat, picks up the ball, and says, I am the greatest. Tosses the ball. <laughs> and we thought Gina was going to get emotional. <laughs> so, tosses the ball back up, swings and misses again, strike three. So he starts to head home. But before he heads home, takes his glove and the ball. <sighs> and he goes out to the pitcher's mound. And he looks in the, he looks like he's looking at the crowd and he says, I am the greatest. That is a fact. But even I didn't know I could pitch like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I love he, it. he took a bad situation where he might have might have been a failure and turned it around to being something positive so if you're sitting at the phone and you're making phone calls and you pick up the phone you know and you dial and you get hung up on or you or you get told no they're not interested in selling their house or buying a house you know that's a swing and a miss you know you do it again you pick up the phone you know you do it again um, you, you get told no again. So the question is, you know, are you undeterred? Do you keep going back? Um, you know, the little boy didn't make any excuses. You know, he adjusted his hat, picked up the ball and did it again. You know, you can adjust your attitude, adjust your posture. You know, if you're sitting down making phone calls, stand up. A lot more happens when you're standing up. Um, just, just make that change in that attitude. It's a lot like um, 75 hard that um, Gina just finished. And I know, I know Matt's done it several times, you know, Gina finished. Was it hard? Yes. Could she have quit numerous times? Was the enemy um, begging her to quit multiple times, but she didn't quit because she had the right mindset. Um, everything in my life goes back to athletics um, and baseball. Cause that's my best analogy. And I learned from stories. I'm not, 
I'm, I'm way different than Matt. Matt likes numbers and analytics and things like that. I, I, I learn better from a story, but there's got to be a story that, that teaches me something. So I like why I like that song, The Greatest. Um, I'm just read, reading Gina's thing. It says, please, please don't say it. <laughs> um, so it's like a baseball, like if you have baseball players, professional baseball players, you know, pitcher is against the batter and they're standing there on the pitcher's mound and they're challenging that batter with the mindset, I'm better than you and you can't hit me. Um, I'm a big Cardinals fan. Years ago, there was a pitcher, a closing pitcher by the name of Jason Mott. And I loved, I used to love to watch him pitch. He had one pitch. It was a 99 mile an hour fastball. And that's all he had. And you could tell by his attitude, he would just stand there on the mound and he didn't say it, but it was just his attitude and his mindset. I'm going to throw it as hard as I can throw it. And let's see if you can hit it. And nine times out of 10, they couldn't hit it. But you know, every time that batter stepped in the batter's box against him, their mindset was throw me your best pitch. I'm going to hit it, you know, because they didn't get to that point by having a bad mindset. And that's kind of what I think athletes might who, who, who grow up with mindset and, they, and if they're successful as they're growing up and reaching new levels. They have that mindset. They've grown up with it. They know how to succeed. They've not had, if they didn't have proper mindset, they would never get to that level. They would never get to the level that Matt is, that Leah is, that Gina's reached in real estate, you know, I believe mindset can be learned. Um, I believe you can have a coach to help with your mindset. You can do personal development with your mindset. And I'm taking this right back to, a, to what I talk I had a couple of weeks ago on education, personal development books, coaching, all that stuff um, goes back to, uh, to personal to education. You can educate yourself. You can train yourself to have the proper mindset. Um, hopefully you guys got something out of this. Um, hopefully I didn't, I didn't, going too many different directions, just ramble oh, on. Um, but again, I go, you can watch, go to YouTube, watch, pull up Kenny Rogers, watch, type in the greatest. You can watch the little video and um, watch, watch the Hoyt, the story of the Hoyts as well, if you didn't watch that. So anyway, that's all I've got. You got, you got any questions or comments about mindset that maybe I didn't, I didn't touch on. I was going to change my background to a baseball field today. And I couldn't figure it out. So <laughs> he's going to be at the beach forever now, Gina. He doesn't know <laughs> what to do with it. I love it. Um, so guys, if you have questions, please ask um, while you're in there. Um, I, I want to add a couple of things. Um, I think it's so critical what you said, Todd, is that uh, number one, great story, by the way. Um, and I love that you're passionate about it. It means something to you. I think that 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 means something to me. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, but you said mindset is a learned skill. How many people use the excuse of or a crutch of, well, I don't have the right mindset, or I don't have the right skills, or I don't have this. And they think that someone is born with it. Let's use Gina as an example. I guarantee you, because I've been there, her mindset after 75 days versus before 75 hard, she feels like a different person. She kept the promises she made to herself, zero excuses, zero compromise. That is a skill, that is a trait that she earned through the, the actions that she took over those 75 days. Like it, it can be trained. It's not something that Gina was born with. It's not some, that, that little boy's mindset. Like that, that's such a great story, but we have to realize that mindset is something that can be learned and can be changed and can be improved. But on the flip side of that, if you're not working proactively to improve or change that, what is also happening? It doesn't just stay stagnant. It gets, it gets, you get like passed by, by other people. And so by the Delta, you get worse. If you're not getting better, you are getting passed by. And so I think it's so important that we, we've talked about this multiple times in these is that everything starts with mindset. And it's because if you don't have the mindset, right, the skills don't matter. Like it's, it's as an example, we had a, a coaching call with one of our coaches, coach Bill Pipes just today. Um, as Todd uh, sits in the sand in his beach chair, he got she got shorter. Um, <laughs> he fell, it fell over, I thought. Um, but we were talking about your level of conviction and belief as a salesperson, as a direct correlation of the result that you have or you don't have. If you don't have the passion, if you are not convinced, you will never be convincing. If you're asking for someone, if you're on this call, you're in real estate or you're at least considering being in real estate, you are helping someone through the biggest purchase or sale of their lives. If you are not excited, 
if you are not convinced that you can help them, if you do not go out of your way to provide value, why would they work with you? You have to have the mindset of it's, I have to earn their business. I need to have conviction around, I'm going to help this person. And all of that, it, that is way more relevant than the script and dialogue that you use. I'm sorry, it just is. Like I can sell you scripts and dialogue and I can, all kinds of things that I could, that we could give you as resources. But if you don't understand this mindset piece, those don't matter. Because if you don't say them with conviction, if you don't have those stories that Todd tells about mindset behind you, you know why you're doing them, they just don't matter. Um, Sean, do you have anything you want to add? You were on the Coach Pipes call. Yeah, and going off of what you said a minute ago about mindset can go, um, either you can improve it or it can go backwards. That's why after, after the markets are really, really good, why so many agents struggle because their mindset gets weaker and weaker over time because the market is driving their success. And they think a lot of times we're a lot better than we are. And so when the market shifts and we're not continually building our mindset up, that's why so many agents struggle. And that's why I'm constantly, and the team is constantly working on building our mindset. Uh, if you haven't ever listened to any of David Goggins' books, I am constantly trying to listen to people who have the best mindsets ever to continually try to improve our mindset, especially when times are good, especially when we're having success. I think that's the easiest times that it's easy to let your mindset kind of slip because you're like, I got this. I don't need to keep training. I don't need to keep going to the role plays. Mm. Your mindset starts slipping because you're having success, but you forget that that mindset is what caused you to have the success. At 75 hours, as soon as it's over, you forget what took you there. And like you said, you know, you improve so much because of that, because you saw the work it took to get you to the end result. I think so many people, um, and it's it's cliche, right? Um, success is enjoy the journey. Success is like enjoy the journey. Success is a journey, not a destination, right? Like you have to fall in love with the process. But so many people think in their mind, they still think, and I, I fall for this trap, like 75 hard as an example. There's been times where I've done it and I fell right off the wagon on day 76, right? The first thing I did, I went to go get junk food and eat like crazy and go drink beer, right? Like that- that's just what, because that was my success was once I complete this, I will have everything that I need. But what I've realized this time that I completed 75 hard, that was a stepping stone to another plat another progress in my personal life that I could take and continue building upon that. And I think that we have to realize that some, don't get me wrong, you got to stop and smell the roses, celebrate your victory, celebrate your successes. But you have to realize that if you guys have pen and paper, write this down. Whatever you've accomplished in your life, think of something big that you've accomplished. I want you to be proud of yourself for that accomplishment. But I also want you to realize what you have done with that accomplishment. You have proved to yourself what you can do. And so that accomplishment is now your new standard that you set for yourself. And if you live your life that way, you will constantly be growing. You will constantly be evolving. And you will not recognize your life in a year from now because you're constantly building layer upon layer upon layer. So your accomplishment is your new standard. Um, Sean, I kind of pulled you in last minute, um, but uh, this is mastermind style. I've got some stuff that I want to share. Is there anything else that you kind of was top of mind that you wanted to share as value? Um. So as far as the mindset piece, a lot of it, um, that's one of my favorite things of studying and continuing to learn. Um, for me, since I'm kind of coming into this a little bit too, um, one of my biggest things as far as mindset is also focusing in your business on what your superpower is. Um, so it kind of goes along with the mindset piece too on what what can you give back? Um, maybe your mindset, is, maybe mindset is your superpower. Maybe like you have got that rock hard mindset and you're good to go. Um, for me, my superpower, uh, at least in my business, is calendar consistency and then working with, um, on the business side of things, investors and military. So that's where I focus all my time is on the, my superpower. Um, and so I think that's a really good thing, too, as far as contributing and giving back is like, what can you focus on and what can you lean into in your business as far as your superpower goes? Yeah, I think there's a lot. I want to unpack a couple of things you said there is contribution always wins. Mindset of abundance and contribution. If you don't have those two things, you're not going to make it very far in life. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. You are going to eventually hit a ceiling and there's no one going to be there to pick you up to the next level. Like you are going to get stuck. You have to give back. And so you have to contribute. But I think another point, and Sean, you and I talked about this before, is that so many gurus or people out there will talk about how you need to improve your weaknesses. 
And don't get me wrong, there are things that are your weaknesses that you probably do need to work on. But I think most people misinterpret the message, at least in my opinion, and that they go all in and they forget what they're great at and they focus 80, 90% of their time on trying to improve the stuff that they're not good at. And then they wonder why they're miserable and they're stressed and they're not having success. Go all in on your strengths. Find what it is that is your superpower. What, is, what are you great at? What do you enjoy? What lights you up inside? What gives you that feeling that Todd had when he was telling that story? Go do more of that. And I promise you, you have better results. You have more conviction. And there will be people that follow you because they believe that you believe what you are telling them. Go all in on your strengths. I think, I think that's huge. And I think that's where a lot of people, like you talk about, that's, they fail because they want to just improve all their weaknesses and they kind of forget about their strengths or I'm going to lean into my strengths. And I'm going to partner up with someone or get some help from someone or pass off to someone things that I'm not good at. Like that's why we've got on our team transaction coordinators. Paperwork is not my top uh, strength. That's why we partner with transaction coordinators and have them to help take care of the paperwork for us so we can focus on what we're best at and what makes us happiest and what we're very, very confident. I love it. Um, I want to add a couple more notes and then I'm going to get into my listing stuff and Sean, chime in anytime. Um, Todd, Gina, you guys too. Um, but I think I'm just going through my notes from our Coach Pipes call and I think it's just so relevant to the mindset topic is I think one of the things that we are that we are doing as salespeople, especially in real estate, is that we are members of influence. We are influencing buyers and sellers. I didn't say manipulating. I said influence. There's a big difference. Big, big difference. Influencing is a way to help them make a decision that's best for themselves. That's not manipulation. That is influencing. And so it is our job to influence the buyers and sellers of what the actual facts and data are of today's marketplace. How many agents are struggling right now to articulate the value of why right now is a great time to fill in the blank? The majority of them are. And you know why? It's because they lack influence. They lack that certainty because they don't feel certain that now is the right time. But I promise you, if I'm talking to a buyer and seller, they are going to believe what I'm what I'm saying because I believe it with all my heart. As a matter of fact, Sean and I talk about investors. Sean and I are partners on some investment um, properties and opportunities. And how many have we tried to buy? All of them, right? <laughs> like all of them, right? Because we believe right now is an amazing opportunity to buy real estate. So much so that we are doing so, right? Like it's not just something that we're saying. We're not trying to, again, we're not manipulating. We are influencing. We are helping them by educating and informing them that now is a great time for whatever it is is a great time for. If it's not, be honest with them and tell them it's not and back it up with why. And then when it is time, guess what? You have built that trust and authority that you will be the one that they go to because too many salespeople don't, aren't honest and don't give them the truth. Um, but in addition to that, so here's what influence is important. I hope I made that point clear. But influence happens by the belief that I have in what I'm presenting. They have to believe that I believe it. That happens through conviction and certainty. Are you certain? The most certain person is going to win. The most certain. How certain are you in what you are saying? As an example, when two people, when two people meet, the person that has the most certainty will have the greater influence. Think about any conversation you've had that's a two-way conversation. The person that had the most certainty is the one that influenced the conversation, period. 100% of the time. So do you have certainty? If you're struggling with objections from your buyers and sellers right now, go get certainty. Go understand the stats. Go understand why now is a great time to fill in the blank. Honestly, this is, uh, Todd and I were talking about this at the, at the start. This is pandemic 2.0 market, in my opinion. It's just getting started. And I said this in all my market update videos during the pandemic because it just did not make sense to me. And it's that time again. It is the best time that I've ever seen to buy real estate and also sell real estate. Usually it's one or the other. But we are sitting here thinking as real estate agents, how come transactions have slowed? How come we don't have any inventory? How come buyers are hesitant to make offers? Because we are not greater influence of them for them to realize, you tell me when's going to, in the next three years, when is going to be a better time than right now to buy real estate? You tell me when. In my opinion, it does not exist. Well, interest rates are going to go down. Cool. What's going to happen when interest rates go down? 
guys heard of supply and demand, mm -hmm. right? There's all of this ghost listings and ghost inventory right now that there are sellers that want to sell, but they're not selling because of one reason, because they can't find where they want to move to. And what happens when interest rates, when, a, when we drop, and interest rates drop 1%, the whole market will go ballistic. That does not mean prices are going to get cheaper. That does not mean anything other than right now is the best time you're going to have to buy in the next three years, my opinion. Could you get a better interest rate in the next three years? I absolutely believe you could. But are you going to get a better deal or better value? Not a chance. Anyway, there's my piece on conviction. Um, and then um, I got this from Coach Pipes, and it, it, struck, it, it struck a nerve with me. Um, and it got it from a different perspective. To not be strong in your messaging or to not be convicted in the value that you bring. We were talking about asking for the business in a buyer's agency conversation or when we're at the table with the seller, asking for the business and listing conversation. To not be strong or convicted of the value you bring in asking for their business should be considered malpractice. Because they, if you don't show them and you're not convicted of the value you bring, you're leaving them to do it by themselves. And that is malpractice because they deserve better. It is the biggest financial decision of their life in most cases. They need help and they need support. So help and support them. I mentioned this the other day too, talking about malpractice. That just reminded me of if you go to the doctor's office and you they write you a prescription for something, if they're not very confident in it, if they're like, ooh, 50-50, this will help you or you may die with it, I don't know. Um, you would, I wouldn't feel super confident um, taking that prescription. And I think that's a lot of times yeah. we're on the same track of we're like, maybe buy the house. It's maybe a good time. I don't know. Up to you. If we don't help guide them, then why did they come to our office in the first place? Are, are we the professional or are we just a door opener? Love it. All right. Um, I'm going to get to Todd. Uh, Gina, you guys have anything to share on that? Anyone? Nothing to add. Yeah. I got nothing. Cool. All right, I'm going to dive in and hopefully I can provide value to everyone. Um, I'm going to go through this quickly. This was a whole, it was an hour and 20 minute speech that I'm going to condense into 15 minutes. Um, so I kind of uh, alluded to this in the beginning, um, but my amazing team um, was fortunate enough in our low inventory marketplace to be number one in listing appointments met in all of CSU out of 45,000 agents. The top teams, the top agents in the nation use this platform and we were number one um, for listing appointments met despite our listing inventory being down 25%. So I'm gonna break down how we did it. So step number one, we narrowed our focus. How many times as real estate agents do we fall for the shiny object? And we run around and we play defense all day. We are so reactive. If you are a real estate agent and you are in a reactive, reactive state, you are not doing yourself, your clients, or anyone any justice. You have to be proactive. You have to control. What did Sean say? One of his, um, one of his superpowers is calendar consistency. You know why that's important for his business? Sean, how long have you been in the business, by the way? Not even a year yet. Almost a year. Yeah, he's not even been in the business a year. He closed 30 transactions his first six months. In this market, that was go back, go back nine months ago. You know what the market was doing. He closed 30 transactions his first six months. What does he say his superpower was? Calendar consistency. He was always in a proactive state. Everything was happening was in his control. Makes a big difference. And so what are you focusing on as an agent? And I think for, for me, um, I, I struggle with trying to focus on so many different things. Um, just because I'm, I'm the visionary of our company, right? It is my responsibility to see out in front of where are the icebergs so we can steer away from them, right? Like that's the analogy that I use. And not only where we can we avoid the icebergs, but also where can we find the treasure, right? And so like I have to steer a big ship. And so I have to look a far ahead. But what that causes is from the great book, Four Disciplines of Execution, is at times that causes whiplash, and that causes us from one huddle, one role play, one sales meeting, we're talking about how we need to have more conversations. The next, we're talking about how we need to get more buyers. The next, we're talking about this new lead source for sellers. The next meeting we're talking about, and we're all over those ping-ponging back and forth, back and forth. And then what happens to the human brain 
when we get overwhelmed, we panic and freeze. So how many times do we fall for that trap? Sean talked about it earlier of you have to have that calendar consistency, but it's so important that you master the fundamentals and you do when we, we have a little bit of success, we tend to stop doing what got us there. And the exact opposite is so true. You have to do more of what got you there. Just do it more effectively and do more of it. I remember I was asking, um, I've been fortunate in my life and I'm at a spot where I'm able to um, financially, um, I'm, I'm not living paycheck to paycheck anymore. I'll say it that way. And um, it's been a lot of blessings in my life. And one of the things that I was talking to a financial advisor about was I said, I just feel like I need to do something different or do something more. Like, it's just boring. And he said, and that's what wins. He said, has what you've been doing over the last three years financially, has it worked for you? I said, absolutely, it has. He said, then why the hell would you change it, Matt? And it was just like an aha for me. Like, because I want to outsmart what's working. Well, what if it can be better? And I'm not saying don't try to improve, don't try to tweak, and don't try to find subtleties and nuances to grow. But if it's working, do more of what's working. So find that one thing that you can be great at, that you can master, that you can do, and go all in on that one thing. Um, I said this earlier, focus is a superpower. If you are able to narrow in and tunnel vision on, you want one thing. So here's, I got this from my, my coach, uh, John Cheplak. Yes, I'm so messed up. I have three different coaches in my life. One of them is Bill Pies, one of them is John Cheplak. Um, and I probably need a fourth, who knows? Um, but the, one of the things that he says is there's one, what is that, what is that one thing in your life? What is that one thing that if you were to change it, the only thing that would change is everything. Think about that question. That's super powerful. But how many times do we have a to-do list that has 15 things on it or 25 things on it? How about you start with one and make it the most urgent, the most important and do it day in and day out consistently without fail. I'm telling you, when you focus on one thing, you get so much better results. It is a absolute superpower. And so I have a quote um, I actually came up with. As far as I know, this is my quote. Um, and so I'm proud of it because I love quotes. Um, it is when you narrow your focus, you expand your potential. Sounds counterintuitive, right? We all want to expand our potential. We want greater opportunities. We want greater horizons. So we have to do more to get more, right? What I have found is the exact opposite is true. When we narrow our focus, we focus on less and we do more of it and we do it better. We expand our potential. Versus being the jack of all trades, let's be the master of the things that we enjoy, the things that we're good at, the things we have conviction in our heart about. And let's be the master of those things. When you're able to do that, not only is life more enjoyable, but you also have way more success. So as an example, we focused every single thing on appointments met. Everything. When I say everything, I mean everything. Literally, I would jump on a huddle and I'd be like, cool, guys, I'm glad you had that problem. I'm glad we were able to help solve that for you. But now let's go back to our focus. What's our focus this month? And like people would roll their eyes. They get tired of hearing me say it. But we doubled our appointments met month, month over month doubled in one month's time. Guess what changed? Our focus. That was it. Tunnel vision on one thing. What would your business look like if you could meet with twice the amount of people next month than you did this month? Face-to-face. -face. Why don't you make that your focus and see? They'll make a big, big impact in your business. So our huddles, our trainings, our role plays, our sales meetings, our um, everything. You, you name it, everything was around that. And again, I'm summarizing some of this stuff. So if you guys have questions, please let me know. And I'm happy to stay late and kind of go in depth. And Sean, from your perspective, you have input, chime in. Um, one of the things that I have found that is, Sean mentioned is superpower. Um, one of the things that I've found that is, I don't want to say it's a superpower, um, but it's something that is just kind of natural to me, is I, I can find holes easily. I can identify gaps. I can find areas that we can improve, right? And sometimes I have to stop doing that because it takes me to a negative space that's not healthy because everything can always be better. And I got to stop and smell the roses. 
but it also, I use it to my advantage and I can see things through a lens that other people can't. And so what I do constantly is I find those little micro gaps and I think, how can I make that gap bigger? Why would I want to make a, a gap bigger? I want to make it bigger so that I can actually zoom in and magnify what the problem is so I can solve it. Because if it just looks like it's a little problem, we just let it slip over and over and over. And so I want to kind of like say there's like a knife wound, right? Like I want to cut the wound open a little bit. I want to make it hurt so that I can figure out, all right, now we need surgery to fix it versus, oh, this just put a Band-Aid on this. No, sometimes you need surgery. And sometimes you need to focus on that one thing and forget about all these other things that are going on and fix this one area. When you have that type of focus, it makes a massive difference. And those little gaps is where all the opportunity is. Those small micro changes at scale over time is a huge difference at the end of the year. 100%. It's too many. Everybody wants to grow their business year over year, but they don't do the math on what the, those metrics are that you need to adjust. So as an example, you want to double your closings well, you may only need to improve your appointments met by 10% to do so. But that sounds way easier to do than closing, closing twice as many as you did last year. But identifying those gaps is crucial. Um, we also went all in on seller lead sources, right? So I've been going crazy trying to find seller lead sources and opportunities. Um, I think I hooked uh, Gina and Todd up. I hope they took advantage of it because it's absolutely crushing for us. Um, through home valuation, instant cash offers, different things like that. Um, we developed campaigns around things. We did our, uh, we initiated our easy CMA process. And again, everything that we did was focused around one thing. How do we get face-to-face -face with more buyers and sellers? That's it. I, I say, real, say it all the time. Real estate's a contact sport. I want to get belly button to belly button. If I can get face-to-face, -face, I'm going to win. And so what can I do to get belly button to belly button with people? We're in the people business. I need to meet with more people. I need to have more conversations with people about real estate. Step number two. So step number one is narrow your focus. Find that gap and go all in. I mean, you have to be obsessed. Um, I said this I said this from uh, in, in Calgary and uh, it got like a lot of bug eyes. Like obsessed is not a cuss word. When did obsessed become a bad thing? Why does it have to be a bad thing? Someone calls me obsessed. I say, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Obsessed, and I got, I think this is Coach Pipe's quote, but obsessed is a word that the lazy use to describe the dedicated. So if you call me obsessed, I take it as a compliment. Thank you very much. That means I have conviction. I have passion. I have a mission. And I'm focused on making something great happen for my life or in other people's lives. Like that's be obsessed. You have to be, you have to be a little crazy to be super successful, right? You have like, have you ever seen Elon Musk? The guy's a little cuckoo, but he's massively successful. You have to have obsessive personality in certain areas to take to the next level. Uh, step number two, unique selling propositions. What value what value is it that you are articulating to the consumer, to the marketplace, to the buyer, to the seller? What makes you different? If I were to ask you and I were to ask your agents and you were interviewing 10 other agents that are top agents in your market and that, that seller, that buyer was to ask you, why should I work with you? How good is your elevator pitch? How good is your value? Let me fall on the sword first and accept responsibility for the longest time. We did not have a clear picture around that. We're still working on it. We're still evolving it. But for the listing side, I have the best USP unique selling proposition for our marketplace, bar none. And us developing it right before this contest had a dramatic impact on the effect that we had. So what is it that you provide and how are you articulating that value? Why is it important that you articulate that value properly? Because if you can't articulate the value, it can't be appreciated. Is the value you provide important or which one's more important, the value you provide or the perception of the marketplace of the value you provide? Their perception is everything. And if you want them to appreciate the value, you have to be an expert at articulating that value in a way that they understand and they understand why it's important for them. Write this down. 
Every single human being on the planet operates on the same radio frequency, W-I-F-M. What's in it for me? We as beings are selfish beings. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just is what it is. And so instead of saying, hey, work with me because I'm, th I'm this, I'm that, and this massive pitch fest, flip it around. Work with me because it's going to be the best experience for you. And here's what I can do for you. It's not about us. It's about them and their perception. Um, there's another quote that I love too. Um, so I already said value unarticulated is value unappreciated. Um, remember that. Say that in your dreams at night. And how can you better articulate your value? I promise you, your business will thank you. Um, but also, it's important to note, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. How, how well part of articulating that value is telling stories at a high level. How well are you at explaining why you are doing what you were doing and how it's benefiting them and why, why you do that for them? As an example, does anyone doubt that that story that Todd told earlier, that that means something to him, that that was important? Forget the story. You'll forget the story tomorrow, but you won't forget how Todd felt about the story and why he said it because of what it meant to him. You have to realize that you have to have that conviction, right? It all ties in together. I'm a big ball bag, LOL. <laughs> Todd, I'm, I'm glad, man. I'm, I'm glad that you shared it. That, that meant a lot. Um, I thought it was great. So as an example, let's go to unique selling propositions. I got to wrap this up for time's sake. So unique selling propositions. Here's an example that I gave in front of the room. And I think this is, I got to thinking as unique selling proposition, what is something that every real estate agent, most real estate agents probably have in common? So I thought of a scenario. Let's say that I sign a listing agreement. Let's say you all sign a listing agreement and that seller, their plan is they got a job offer in another state, right? Obviously they would want to sell their home. Well, you put it on the market, you do all your stuff. 30 days later, there's no offers and their job offer gets canceled. And they decide, you know what? We're just going to stay here. Would you allow them out of that listing contract because they no longer wanted to sell it? No fee, no cancellation, no any of that? I would hope so, right? Like integrity is one of my core values. That just seems like, oh, you're not moving anymore? Obviously, you don't need to sell your home. Cool, no problem, right? Like this just seems like it's the right thing to do. And so most people operate that way. I say most with an asterisk, right? Um, there's people that I know that don't. Um, and if you don't, this is not judgment. You run your business how you want to run it. Um, however, I choose to run as that with that attitude. And that is a perfect example that I think most people can relate with is that's massive value that you can articulate. We just don't see it as a value that we can articulate. What if I told you that should be articulated as a value of, you know what, we have a cancellation guarantee. You can cancel your listing agreement at any time. How would that do at risk reversal when you're at the table with the seller? It doesn't want to be handcuffed. I don't want to be tied to a long-term contract. No problem. You can cancel any time. We actually have an we actually have an agreement around that. Here you go. We have that for our buyers and for our sellers. Cancel any time. Do you think about this? The people that challenge me on this, think about this. And maybe maybe all of you are with me, but think about it from this perspective. Let's just let's play devil's advocate. And let's say, well, that does that's not smart business, Matt. I would disagree, but everyone has an opinion. Do you really want to force people to work with you? Or do you want to work with people that want to work with you? Which one is better for your business? Right? Like, it's just, a, it's just a mindset shift. So anyway, what if you could articulate something as simple as that could be a huge USP? What if you did all these radio ads, billboards, everything about how you had a cancellation guarantee? You can cancel your listing with us anytime. We don't believe in long-term contracts. We believe in accountability. What would that do for your business? How many sellers would that relate to? that are concerned about listing with a long-term contract. Maybe they don't tell you that objection. That doesn't mean they haven't thought about it. You know the best way to handle an objection? In advance. So what I do is I gather information and intel of every reason why someone would not want to work with us. And I solve that problem before it becomes a problem. And now they don't have an excuse not to work with us. Every excuse that they could think of, I create a unique selling proposition around and you have no reason not to work with us now. We solved all the problems you could possibly have with selling a home right here. The risk is on me at this point. Risk reversal, marketing 101. Um, and so we create a worry-free listing program that has very clear unique selling propositions around that. 
and we are obsessed with it. Every marketing piece, every our listening presentation, every slide has it. Every li our listening agents, every conversation, we're talking about a word-free listing program. It is, it is our USP for a seller. Oh, have you heard about our word-free listing program? It has components that are clear, that are packaged, that we can articulate clear value. It's so important you have it packaged. It's not. It's great to have the value, but again, how are you articulating the value? You have to be obsessed. What kind of bow have you put on it? What kind of package have you created? Like it needs to be something. Uh, I had another mentor in my life um, that I was in some coaching with for a while that said it needs to be. You need to be so crazy with it that you can put it on a t-shirt. Like I could wear worry-free listing t-shirts around town and people would know what the hell it meant because we're crazy obsessed with it. It's not just something that you kind of dip your toe in. It has to be value. And you want to know how to make your value, your the perceived value increase? You as the marketer, you as the voice, shout it through a megaphone about how it helps. And when you have a success story, shout it from the rooftops. And then people will be asking about the worry-free listing program. But make sure that you get your you that you you use that language, your marketing uses that language, um, your agents use that language. Like so much so that um, my listing agents don't know this, but they're getting spot checked on their calls right now in a helpful way, not in a micromanaging way, and to ensure that we are talking and we are articulating all the value that we have to offer to the sellers. One of the requirements that we have right now if you're talking to someone who's considering selling is we're going to mention and make sure they have heard of and they know the points of our worry-free listing program because it is malpractice of us not to articulate that value. They need to know what we have to offer and how we can help them. All right. So how do you come up with your own USPs? Sean will help me on this because he's uh, the one that kind of volunteered to take this initiative. I, for the longest time, struggled as a team leader to get my agents to tell me the objections that they're hearing. I don't know why. Um, it's just a struggle that I've had is like they're scared to tell me the objections because maybe I'll help solve it or something. I don't know. Um, but it's just it's it's crazy to me. Like I, I do it because I want to help. I want to figure out what their conversations are and what's preventing them from an appointment so that I can help solve the problem so they can get more appointments. But I just can't get, it's like pulling teeth. It's insane. And so I changed the language. Instead of objections, we created a spreadsheet. And I want to, every time that you have a conversation with someone, I want you to write down what in that conversation got in the way of the appointment. Why in this conversation, why did you not set an appointment? Uh, by the way, that's called an objection. But I just changed the language, and all of a sudden now people started putting it on the spreadsheet. And we're keeping votes, and we're seeing which ones are the most common. And why is that relevant? Because I want to read the client's mail. It's called message to market match. Is my marketing reaching the right audience with the right message? What If we have three objections that we're hearing over and over and over and over again, what if we could create a unique selling proposition around that objection? What if we could create a script and a value add around that objection? But now I have that information and that intel so that I can solve that problem in advance. I don't have to wait on it to become an objection. And now I don't have sales skepticism. I don't have objection handlers because I solved the problem before they told me it was a problem. You, you operate on a whole nother level when you're able to do that. So what problems are you having in your business? What problems do your buyers have? What problems do your sellers have? And look at them through the lens of opportunity. It'll completely transform your business. Let's see. Um, and this is something too. This is the, the room I was in was uh, a bunch of team leaders. And so I think it's relevant here. Um, but I think one of the mistakes I've made in the past is not being as obsessed in this tunnel vision on these USPs and staying on that one topic long enough. Um, like I learned this in marketing. Once someone says, Matt, I'm sick and tired of seeing your message on this, that's when I know they've actually seen it. And so once my agents start rolling their eyes when I say the th same thing over and over and over again, I'm like, okay, now they've heard it, right? And so we have to over-communicate those things. And it's not, it's just because we, we live in such a fast-moving society and so much in the palm of our hands. There's so much information and distractions going at us daily. Like our role in our leadership team, if we haven't said it seven times, we haven't said it once, right? And so you have to, you have to repeat those things. Um, and so if you're leading people, that's super important because 
I can, as a team leader, as in my marketing department, we can have the best USPs on the planet. But if our agents aren't articulating, don't understand and aren't articulating that value to the clients, it doesn't matter. So you have to create buy-in through the agents and you have to help them role play. And you have to help them understand and articulate that value properly. Step number three, create a contest or competition. Again, let's go back to step number one, find the gap, focus on that gap. Now create contest, create fun around whatever that gap is. Um, one of the things that I gave away um, at uh, in Calgary that I've done before, um, we'll probably do again, is a competition. I called it playground style. So if you're leading an organization, if you're doing this with other people, whatever it may be, a great way to do that is pick team captains. Go back to like third grade dodgeball, right? You had team captains. How did they become a team captain? Well, they did something good in the class. They had the best grade of the quarter, whatever, right? So find someone that, that deserves a reward or recognition. They're a team captain now. And you're going around, pick, pick who you think is best for your team. Who's going to help you win? That does a couple of things. Creates healthy competition. And it also encourages everyone for teamwork to work together. And my opinion um, is there's absolutely nothing wrong with someone being called out for being unproductive. And if nobody wants to be picked last on the dodgeball team. So those people work a little harder next month, right? And so ultimately, Matt, maybe that's, that, that's insensitive. Maybe it is. But it's also a wake-up call, and now they're actually going to do something productive for themselves and their family. That's truly what matters to me. What is the result that they're going to have? And so I feel like as a leader, that is my responsibility to do. Um, anyway, so create a contest, have fun around it. Uh, we got a jukebox, we got prize wheels. Um, as an example for this last competition that we did, the winning team, um, me and my wife are taking them out on a lake, down the Lake of the Ozarks on us, right? Make something fun, exciting, um, a prize worth winning. Um, Sean, any holes you wanna fill in in any of that? No, that's perfect. I mean, the talking about making sure that everyone on the team has the exact same on the same page or whether you're an individual agent or whatever, you know it so well that if anybody took over your presentation or anybody else did it, it would be the exact same way every single time. That's that's huge. If it doesn't duplicate, it doesn't matter. Um, I want to end on this. There's step number four. I said it was four step. It was step number four was about leadership. And so that doesn't apply to everyone. But principle number four of this was you have to lead from the front. You have to be willing to fight with your team. You can't just micromanage and crack the whip. You got to be doing it with them. As an example, I was prospecting with them. I was role playing with them, right? You have to be able to do it with them. I did 75 hard. Like they know that I'm disciplined, right? And it led other people to do 75 hard. There's a lot of other stories that come from great leadership that I've had in my life that I just now am fortunate to give back to others. And so without, without great leadership, it does not matter. Um, I'm going to I'm going to close on this and now I want to remind everyone that stayed uh, a couple minutes late here about an event that's coming up. Um, so it's a story of the Chinese bamboo tree. I think it goes very hand in hand with our conversation um, all encompassing today is the Chinese bamboo tree requires you to water it daily. That is a requirement for it to grow. You have to water it each and every day. The problem is for the first year. You come out and you water the plant every single day. So you're walking out, all you're doing is water and dirt. You see absolutely no visible signs of activity for the entire year. Year two, there starts to be a little bit of growth, but the growth is beneath the soil. So we still can't see the growth. There's absolutely no visible signs above the, above the soil. That means you water it every single day for two years. You still see no reward for your efforts. That goes on for year three. That goes on for year four. Same thing. Nothing changes, but you have to water every day. Then something magical happens on year five. The Chinese bamboo tree grows to 80 feet tall in six weeks. Boom. Overnight. Have you guys heard of the overnight success? You guys heard about how um, this Matt Smith guy built this team overnight and it didn't take any work and effort because it just overnight he became successful. Have you heard about all these successful people in life that just all of a sudden they got lucky now they're successful? What you haven't heard is the five years, the 10 years of work that they put in of watering that plant every single day. You have to be patient. What's crazy about the Chinese bamboo tree is not only is it so parallel for success in life, 
but also the result of what you get in those five years. The Chinese bamboo tree is one of the strongest materials that known to man. It is stronger than steel, but it takes five years of watering it every single day for it to show any visible signs of growth. So that is such a great parallel for me of the work, the effort, the mindset that it takes for you to build that muscle, that success that you want in your life. 